out here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southeast Command. What's happening? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. <laughs> really uh, shattering today. Feels good. I feel like I want to stretch it out because I'm scared of this episode. This what? episode is cursed. <laughs> why, is, why would you say that, Ben? Because uh, this is the third time we've attempted to record the episode about the uh, first half of the Star Trek annual comic book. Yeah. And uh, the first time we recorded an entire episode, and my my half sent, sounded like DJ Screw got his hands on it. It was all chopped and screwed, <laughs> all glitchy and uh, speeding speeding up and slowing down. Something was very wrong with the uh, with the audio file. And we tried again, and my dog wouldn't shut up. And I think people that listen to The Greatest Discovery especially are familiar with my dog not shutting up. But this was like crazy. Uh, this episode is being recorded underneath an open ladder. <laughs> yeah. It's specifically that ladder that they tried to sell on QVC and it like nearly killed the guy that was climbing up it. Uh, that was fun. Such a classic. Yeah. Funny, funny, classic. <laughs> Are those guys uh, still selling, like, swords on, yeah. on Home Shopping Network and just screaming about how they're made? That's the other classic one, right? Yeah. The, where he's, like, swinging it around yeah. and he accidentally catches himself. How do you still have a show after that? That's amazing. It's because no one else is willing to do it. I bet that's what it is. How do you still have a network if you're QVC? I mean, I think there are just a lot of old people in this country. I think that's yeah. the answer. That want a set of nesting bowls with poor spouts? <laughs> <laughs> think of the convenience. <laughs> you know what? If you're a bowl that doesn't nest, get the fuck out of here. No one needs you. They watch Shark Tank and they talk about QVC as being like a major retail platform. Like, it may be true, but I have so little respect for it. Am I wrong? Is there good shit on there? You know what? If QVC is such big shit, it should be on TV and hotels. Hotels are a place that you and I have been quite a bit while we're doing our, our greatest yeah. Gen Con tour. But Where's your home shopping? But like if you're if you're bored in a hotel room and you've just cranked it, like, <laughs> like why why not make an impulse purchase on some nesting bowls? Yeah, give me some refractory QVC. Give me some of those refractory bowls. Show me a versatile garment that you can wear out on the town or to work. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, QVC. I think we just gave you a ton of free ideas. Get your shit together. You know, hire Ben and Adam, you know? And we're not wearing loaf. We're going to come on there and we're going to fucking set your shit straight. I want to be careful. I think the the appeal for a job that has the greatest chance of success is the QVC job. <laughs> because <laughs> uh team star trek certainly isn't picking up the phone no uh yeah I, i'm disappointed to say that uh we have not uh heard anything from our from our uh campaign uh to, to become hallway extras that get blown out into space i still have hope that our our buddy jk woodward is gonna make that happen in print 
Oh yeah, I'll, I think I'll that's, settle for print. That's likely to happen, right? Yeah. yeah. You, do you think that it's possible that a Star Trek exec- executive is going to be like, man, I love the look of uh, these two characters, J.K. That you got blown out into space. Like, if we did that in the show, I would like. It's impossible. You know, because you made the, these two characters up, but like it would be awesome to like do that with actors that look kind of like them. Like, is it possible like, to cast for these? I I just don't know. And then uh, he'd be like, "Well, you could get Kyle McLaughlin and uh, some dumb-looking dude." When the Twin Peaks sequel was announced uh, a couple of years ago, I yeah. uh, I started a Twitter campaign for myself. Like Adam Pranica, famously terrible at self-marketing, decided to spend. <laughs> an entire day on getting uh, the hashtag flashback agent Cooper trending <laughs> because I figured if, if they're going to make this show, they're going to want to do flashbacks. And because, uh, because Kyle McLaughlin has aged, he's still beautiful. Let's be clear. Still looking great. But like, you're not going to digitally de-age that guy. You're going to bring in Adam Pranica for that role, right? That's what you do. And so you've got you've got on screen experience, right? I came right up to the point of like I found the casting agent that David Lynch usually <laughs> uses for all his projects and I yeah. had contact information for them and I was like I mean it's a joke up until now. I mean, do I really want to take this next step? And Ben, I am ashamed to say I did not take the next step. Like I had oh. I had a headshot like ready to send. Wow. I at the hashtag had gotten a little bit of traction. It was funny to a lot of people. People were like in full support, but I didn't quite go all the way and I wish yeah. I had. That's a that's a miss 100% of the shots you don't take kind of situation. Yeah, I didn't take the shot and I regret it. Now I'm here in obscurity doing a fucking Star Trek podcast. Yeah. Where, well, yeah. meanwhile I could be famous and successful. Right. You would be <laughs> that guy from that thing that time. I know. Instead, I'm who? <laughs> and I'm who from what's a podcast? <laughs> well, it's like a radio show, but uh, you download it onto your iPod. Yeah, one question no one ever asks, Ben, is what's a comic book? Nope, those have been around for decades. Yeah, uh, not this one, though. This one's just been around since uh, early 2018, Ben. Why don't we go ahead and get into Star Trek Discovery Annual 2018? We're going to do the first uh, 20 or so pages of this. I guess 20... Did we get to page 23? Yeah, I think... That's where uh, we stopped? Yeah, we picked a good place to stop, and it was after uh, a pretty notably funny scene that we'll get to toward the yeah, end. Yeah, it was sort of uh, a sort of Rikerized to commercial type of feel. But this comic book begins uh, in a little... A little uh, prologue, a little, uh, you know, this is before the action... Uh, as is described uh, in the comic book, and it is the uh, USS Somerville out uh, getting bombarded by by uh, asteroids. They 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 sort of done what the Millennium Falcon is wont to do, <laughs> which is enter an asteroid field, but they are not faring quite as well as the Falcon might. No, they're getting bonked by a number of asteroids. Ben, this uh, this ship would be considered a dough scraper class starship if you were to just <laughs> name it. It's uh, and also I want to I want to say like the Somerville, probably populated mostly by Bostonians, right? Right. Yeah. You got assigned to the Somerville, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I hear the Somerville's a piece of garbage. 
Captain Log's supplemental that was no whining. <laughs> we were collecting rare specimens from an unmapped asteroid belt when the rocks started spinning wildly. My first officer, Tommy, couldn't get the <laughs> ship into WAP. <laughs> We, uh, we took several rock hits to the window, so we had to replace several of the lights on, on this window. <laughs> we uh, went down to our local hardware store, bought laminated glass, uh, <laughs> scraped out the broken pieces, placed a replacement piece in, and fixed it in place with some latex glazing compound. <laughs> you know who on the ship looks like uh, she's no stranger to glazing compound? Uh, the captain who is rocking just like if there's an amount of hair that can be like near the forehead that forward uh-huh. hemisphere of of one's head boy it is all there she's got an incredible amount of hair going this is a hairstyle i dabbled with a little bit in college oh yeah the uh yeah. the bieber I, I didn't remember having done this i was uh i was sitting here thinking i've had the same haircut since high school and then I, uh, I discovered recently some like old like camera phone pics from <laughs> from uh, from college, and I was like, "Oh man, I kind of I was kind of Biebering a little bit." Eww. I uh, I came to that same realization that I had had the same hairstyle too long, and uh, what I did was changed which side the part was on. <laughs> I can't do that. I went very drastic. I wish I could. I have a weird cowlick on the other side. It makes it look like I've, I'm like uh, Conan O'Brien if I part my hair on the other side. You gotta train it, man. You gotta you gotta make no. It's make it's your untra- hair. It's not it's not training, Adam. It's like my my hair grows in a weird way on that one side. My hair bows to my will. You know how you have that whorl on the back of your head? I do. Where yeah. it kind of it kind of spirals. My I have whorl? another one of those on my forehead that I have to cover up with the way I comb my hair. Oh no. Yeah. Sure. I'm a double whorl. <laughs> you have you have whorls in front and behind. Yeah, I'm, I'm whorling, coming and going. <laughs> the problem with the Somerville is that it's not just getting bonked by asteroid. It's got an away team on one of these asteroids. Yeah, there are uh, three people in Star Trek spacesuits uh, with lunchboxes full of glowing samples and... Uh, they're waiting to get beamed up. This is uh, very stressful. Something they don't really address in the comic book, which is that uh, you can't beam through a, a shield. Nope. So presumably the Somerville has to drop shields and just take the hits and in order to beam these bozos up. Hey, you going to try to beam through that shield, boss? <laughs> yeah, good fucking luck. <laughs> <laughs> Get fucked. This is the Somerville. <laughs> Beam yourself back to the Southie Projects, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it, it kind of looks like on page two, it looks like it's going to be one of those situations where you, you run the transporter and the ship explodes in space and there's yeah. that beat of uncertainty before everybody materializes in one piece on the transporter pad, but that is not what happens. Yeah, we see we see some charred guys on the pad, and then we rack focus into the man on the uh, the man working the transporter. Uh, ben, this is uh, this is an O'Brien. That explains the transporter accident that's occurred here. The great great grandfather of uh, 
<laughs> of Chief O'Brien. Yeah. A man famous for not quite beaming someone safely. Oh, O'Brien. Of the transporter accident, O'Brien's. <laughs> I've heard of your family. You sound like some of your material, bud. <laughs> uh, the the uh, lunch boxes that they were collecting these samples in, though, are clearly made out of the uh, same material that you make the uh, flight recorder for a jumbo jet. Yeah, I bet they wish that their spacesuits were made of this stuff, right? Yeah, why not make the whole spacesuit out of this material? <laughs> the samples are okay, and uh, and the the end of the prologue is uh, Captain Somerville saying that she hopes that the samples are like a major breakthrough for science, and that the the uh, loss of life was you know not for nothing. Go socks. <laughs> if this were an episode, I think what we'd get here is the theme song because uh on the very next couple of pages we uh we've jumped forward in time a little bit. Months later on the planet Deneva, it is Paul Stamets hanging out in a big spacey like warehouse size uh arboretum or a greenhouse or something yeah. and he's uh, he's uh, cultivating plants, he's talking to plants really kind of lost in himself and then um he gets interrupted by uh, an assistant and uh, right off the bat is a huge dick to the assistant yeah if you thought the origin story for paul stamets would be like i wonder what turned him into such a twit <laughs> like he was born that way yeah this asshole has been a major part of his yeah there is no Batman style origin story where his parents are killed and from then on he's like just a total dick to people he works with. You merely adapted being an asshole, Paul Stamets. I was born an asshole. <laughs> Bane. <laughs> Why can't you just be polite to people? <laughs> the deal is that um, the samples that, uh, that, the, uh, that the Somerville have collected have found their way to Paul Stamets' laboratory, uh, he, he refers to this sample as Stella, and uh, we get to meet his partner, Dr. Strahl, and uh, they're they are pretty fucking pumped up about this sample. It's uh, Prototaxites Stellavatory, <laughs> a.k.a. Stella, for short, for funsies, you know? Hey, it's a Stellavatory! <laughs> uh, you might recognize this Dr. Strahl as uh, being the guy who died on the Glen that Paul Stamets yeah. was in communications with. We actually seen this guy on FaceTime in the in the series. Right. And uh, it's fun to see him as being part of the backstory. Yeah. I like minor character callbacks like this. I mean, one thing that, like, we knew that Stamets was a gay character going into... Star Trek Discovery that was like one thing that they were touting about the show and I think early on in that series the relationship we had he had with Dr. Strahl may have like confused me a little bit as like is that the boyfriend like is he right has he got a long distance relationship with a boyfriend slash collaborating scientist yeah on a different ship but uh but it's not that it's and and it's interesting to get more dimension to this relationship in this in this comic book. Yeah, Strahl drops right away that he's he's in a relationship with someone called Amelia, who, in addition to just not being very nice to Dr. Strahl, is also like professionally against his interests. Yeah. 
Amelia is uh, part of the terraforming operation that they currently work for, and she does not want them distracting themselves with this Stella business. Yeah, and the Stella business is yielding some interesting results, right? It's doing that thing where uh, if you poke one aquarium full of Stella, the aquarium across the room starts reacting. And so that seems to indicate that it could be networked together and and that network could be something that could be used in either communications or transport. Right. The communications ramifications of it are pretty obvious, but Paul Stamets is pretty excited about the action at a distance. Like the like the protein is actually like appearing in the other sample when he puts it into the one sample, and that means that it's actually like moving something or replicating something. And, and uh, you know, peppering that Einsteinian language in here is a lot of fun. They are super hyped about the possibilities. And unfortunately, when they go to present their findings to big science, uh, people are less than enthusiastic about their hypotheses, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a situation that... I think we're familiar with putting your dumb podcast on a keynote deck and plugging it in at some venue somewhere and showing it to people and them just crossing their arms and shaking their heads. They're getting in-person one-star reviews here, (laughs) and it doesn't feel good for either of them. I'm just kidding. People like our live shows, I think. (laughs) Hey, I think we're going to sell out our LA show, by the way. I know we are. I'm, I'm confident in that. That's some pretty hot shit. In fact, by the time this episode comes out, I'm going to predict there aren't any more tickets for our L.A. show. Yeah, you'll never eat those words. (laughs) Well, I don't eat that much anymore. I'm in L.A. and I'm trying to watch my figure. Strahl and Stamets, not a part of Starfleet at this moment in time, and yet it is Starfleet who is acting as the most critical of their findings. These guys are standing up, not asking questions, but making more more comments, really, during the Q&A portion of the evening. Yeah. And, and a, lot of, uh, a lot of these Starfleet people are bald. Yeah. Did you notice that? Like, that, there are, like, four Captain Picards in one shot at one point. Yeah. What's that about? I don't know. I mean, if they're all Picards, I would expect them to be more open-minded than this. Did they use their entire hair budget on that first captain that we saw in the in the prologue? Yeah, maybe. Well, anyways, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of dunking on Stamets and Strahl. They really don't think that they have dotted their eyes and crossed their T's on this research, and it just seems like too good to be true. Basically, like if these mushrooms do have an invisible root system that connects them to each other, no matter how far away uh, they are in time and space then the idea of being able to use that as a transportation system is a too-good-to-be-true scenario, and that's kind of the reaction that they get. Yeah, and the paradox is, like, they're there to present a hypothesis so that they can get money to continue to explore the possibilities here, but they're being judged as if this is a fully formed theory and and getting shit on for it. Right. Kind of a backfire. Ben, the one thing you want to do when you're dunked on is dunk on someone else, right? So at the reception a few hours later, uh, Stamets is is drowning his sorrows. Yeah, he's doing that George Costanza thing of thinking of the uh, of the witty retort way later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody has their own little opinions, and it all gets homogenized, 
And he sees a a person on whom he can dunk sitting at the bar humming Cassilian opera tunes. Yeah, this is uh, probably my favorite page in the in the portion of the comic that we read so far, just from a layout standpoint. Yeah. Because uh, you've got kind of two major, major frames and then a couple of little close-ups inserted into them. But uh, in the bottom one, Hugh Culber is kind of the most prominent character with Stamets down at the end of the bar in the background. And uh, I just I, I love the way it flows, and I love uh, I love the reveal of Hugh Hugh Culber. What I don't like is the height of the bar stool because it looks like Stamets is sitting at a at a regulation height bar stool. For some reason, Culber has jacked his seat up as if it were like a barbershop stool. And, yeah, and he's, he's sitting he's big dog in the bar. <laughs> what is that about? He has no room know. to swing his legs under it. I don't know. I mean, but he's not doing that. He's sitting. He's sitting at a ninety degree angle to the bar, so he doesn't need to swing his his legs under it. What's he looking at? Like, if he's looking in our direction, where are we? Uh, he is actually looking at uh, a uh, book that he's reading. I believe it's actually the uh, Star Trek Discovery Annual twenty nineteen, <laughs> which isn't even out yet, man. <laughs> How would he get his hands on that? I don't know. He must know somebody at IDW. <laughs> Does he, do you think he knows J.K.? I'm sure he knows J.K. How could you not know J.K.? He's one of the best. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Duke Culber is, um, is doing a fairly annoying thing to do in public, which is he's uh, he's sitting by himself at a at a bar humming. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's like taking a business phone call in the waiting area at an airport. You know, it's just... Like you're inflicting it on everybody. We can't go anywhere because we're waiting to, you know, hear when our seating group is called. It fucking sucks. Don't do it. Stamets has dunked on the wrong person because Culber can dunk right back, and so they're exchanging dunks on each other in public. Yeah, as Stamets's uh, disdain for Casalian opera has been established. Uh, very early in this comic book, and now Hugh Culber is doing it, and uh, Stamets uses that to uh, rain shots down on him. Culber kind of storms out, having, you know, I mean, it was rude of Culber to be uh, doing this in public, but also rude of Stamets to to address it the way he did. They, they were very rude to each other at their meet-cute, but uh, the last frame of that scene is Stamets saying, I like him. This is one of those pages where you get a couple of different looks at the rendering of Anthony Rapp. So many of them are spot on, like perfect. But then the one in the lower right corner looks like uh, he's gained quite a bit of water weight in the face, you know? He's got uh, a hell of a jaw on him. (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) lantern jaw isn't one of the ways I would describe (laughs) Anthony Rapp, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it's it's swollen from a boxing injury. <laughs> you want a lantern jaw, pal? You get <laughs> you get stationed on the Somerville. <laughs> uh, so our next scene we'll beat is beat your fucking ass. <laughs> beat you into a pulp, you piece of shit. <laughs> our next scene is Doctor Straw getting uh, hit up by an Andorian Starfleet. Apparently, the disdain for their research was not universal in Starfleet, and uh, and this guy is saying like, "Hey, like we love we love this outside the box thinking that you're doing, and we think uh, we could really help you. We we could basically open up the fire hose of money and resources on your science project. Uh, what do you say?" 
is this how Starfleet recruits? It's so weird to see like a hallway recruitment. Like, hey, uh, Dr. Strahl, noticed you could use some money. How would you like to make money? And also your friends and family. (laughs) Now, the most important thing to say about this is that it's not pyramid selling. (laughs) This is multi-level marketing. (laughs) The way it works is simple. You recruit seven friends, and then they recruit seven friends. Do you smell the fragrance I'm wearing? Smells like CK1, right? (laughs) Did you uh, happen to notice the car I drove up in? It's because I'm very successful, Dr. Strahl. (laughs) Yeah, this has got to make Dr. Strahl think, right? It's not because I am overextending myself to drive an expensive car to give the appearance of being successful. Perish the thought, Dr. Strahl. Perish the thought. If I were truly successful, I wouldn't have vinyl stickers all over it with my phone number. (laughs) asking how you can join my business yeah like true business success happens without vinyl stickers on your car that's what i'll say Stral, i want to come over to your house and spend a couple of hours of your time talking you into becoming a distributor uh would tuesday be good for you do you uh do you work much during the work week (laughs) Stral's kind of desperate though he needs that hot cash injection yeah the first person he runs this by is uh, his lady, Amelia, who's a very fancy lady. Like, she, the way she dresses really reminds me of, uh, of Sarek's wife. Right. She's got a lot of, uh, like, major chunky jewelry. And uh, I guess mainly because we've seen her in very, like, formal contexts. So maybe this isn't how she dresses all the time. But, uh, but like, they're always going to the opera or a fine white tablecloth dining scenario. She uh, could be considered not super supportive of his career idea that he's bouncing off of her. Yeah, he's like, hey, listen, I know that I have a pretty successful uh, video production company that services some major clients. But what I'd like to propose is that my friend Ben and I start a Star Trek podcast together and that that become my full time job. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, uh, she's not impressed, and part of it is, like, she she has a baseline distrust of Starfleet. The way she puts it is, like, of course Starfleet will buy this. Starfleet is like a big whale taking, like, ideas in, like, krill. Yeah. Like, they just sort of uh, dynamite fish science at this point, and... Yeah, you don't want to be flushed through the baleen. <laughs> sure don't. To continue the whale metaphor, not the jumping over the dynamite fish metaphor. Just, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm loading up the show with metaphors like so many pieces of krill. <laughs> you see what yeah, I did actually, there? I closed the loop. You actually consume more than your own body weight in metaphors <laughs> every day, despite metaphors being only a fraction of the size of you. It really boggles the mind how many individual metaphors do you, you uh, consume in a day. Sure does. So she's she's not necessarily for it, and mm. neither is Stamets. You know, we'll catch up with him in a bit, but um, uh, Stamets is heading back to Deneva, and he's uh, he's in the shuttle bay at whatever uh, like space space station they're at, and uh, bumps into a certain dude. 
one Dr. Hugh Culber, who is now in his uh, all-white, all everything Starfleet medical uniform and uh, cutting a bit of a dash. Yeah, this is sort of a re-meet cute, right? Yeah, and you know the cuteness needle is pegged because now it is Stamets that is humming in public. And humming in public at the waiting area for getting on the airplane. So just basically the worst case scenario. The hum is on the other foot this time. Yeah, and, uh, and Cassalian opera, no less. Yeah, what a hypocrite. But a cute hypocrite because he's definitely humming it because he heard Hugh Culber humming it and is obsessed with Hugh Culber. If the rendering of, of Stamets is great 9 out of 10 times, I think the Culber rendering is great 10 out of 10. Yeah. For some reason, they nail him. They could really capture something about yeah. about him. Uh, I wonder yeah, if some faces are just easier to get, and it's not it's not a factor of like the, the artist's talent, and it's instead yeah. just like some faces are more unique. I think that's true. I mean, Anthony Rapp's hair and skin tone are so similar yeah like they have such a similar albedo that it's hard to like tell what his expression is occasionally because of that and and i think uh that could that could be a contributing factor who knows yeah Uh, a healthy albedo is so important as you age (laughs) yeah you got to change it up. Do some exciting stuff. Maybe go out and like try try to find a way to do it in public, or you know, or uh, or, I or love role that play. That, that's the first place you went. <laughs> yeah, maybe just try to take it outside once in a while. Yeah, you know, pull into a rest stop uh, on uh, on the highway. Do everything you usually do. Just uh, do it in the lawn. <laughs> Back at the lab, we uh, we get a little establishing shot of uh, of where these guys work, and it's clear that the uh, the Apple Donut Campus has expanded to basically cover most of Cupertino. There are like five donuts visible. Very annular compound, by the looks. Oh of yeah, it. yeah. We recently learned the the definition of annular. Right. Stamets is also resistant to the idea of joining Starfleet. I get the sense that it would mean losing power over this thing. Like, he seems like a guy who is very possessive of his ideas yeah. and his science. He doesn't want Kirk to steal the Genesis device from him. Yeah. He would have to uh, abandon the loss of Stella. Yeah. So uh, they have kind of an argument that ends in the idea that Paul is just, like, hard against it, full stop. Like, veto power. I am not doing it. And uh, he storms out and goes to the uh, to the garden where they are cultivating the Stella spores, and this looks a lot like the one that we see in the in the show and on the on the disco. Yeah, kind of an unhealthy trait to get into a fight with someone, leave that argument, and then uh, turn to substance abuse. Yeah, and especially go try a drug that you've never tried before. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell Stamets is super upset by this choice. You can tell that Stamets doesn't have a lot on his plate because mushrooms take a long time. You know, like you don't just do mushrooms on a whim, you know? Yeah, you can tell he's he's definitely a freelancer. Yeah, yeah, because uh, he is like talking to himself while he's uh, he's fiddling with these mushrooms and uh, he, uh, he, he takes a little lick. And uh, our our final frame for this episode is him basically being engulfed in spores and like almost 
erotically climaxing. <laughs> that is a good place to stop, isn't it? I think so. Did you like this first half of a comic? Uh, I did, yeah. I think uh, we've talked about this a bit um, in the other comics we've read, but like there, there's something so great about having... I, th- I think this must be a function of having Christian Beyer on the on the writing team for these. Like they really nail character tone, right? In in these comic books, like everything that comes out of his mouth, you can picture Anthony Rapp delivering. It it all sounds right and feels right, and Culber the same way. Like like I know exactly like how the performance would look if they had actually shot this. I wonder, as I was reading, if that's a function of how Stamets' dialogue is bubbled. Because, like, his pace of speak, when he's talking to plants especially, like, he can just monologue by himself. But the way they break up his dialogue into individual bubbles turns his red speech into something familiar from the show. It's super effective. There's like a rhythm to the way they separate yeah. each clause in the bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I liked it too, Ben. I think uh, I think it played a lot with the expectations that I had for it as well, because I was expecting I was expecting more of a Stamets origin story than a science origin story, which is really I think what this is more than anything at this point. I mean right. the second half of the comic could reveal something deeper about Stamus that we don't yet know. But, uh, yeah, I I like getting to know the reason for Discovery's being at this point. It's right. a little less biographical than I would have expected, but uh, good stuff. If I have a criticism, it's that, like, the art style is just, like, a lot less consistent than other ones that we've read. I mean, like, if you look at, like, page 12, there are two close-ups of Stamets' face in there that just don't look a thing like Anthony Rapp. Mm. And then, like, you go to the next page and there's a couple pictures that do. And the next page after that. And I just think that, like, we got a little spoiled with, like, the the Call of Takuvma or whatever ones. Like, the art seemed to be really high level mm. in that. I think, like we said before, I think part of it might just be the difficulty in capturing yeah. uh, this individual person yeah, and I'm not talking shit. Like, obviously, I can't draw any anything half as good as this. You know, I'm just saying, like, yeah, the there are a couple of moments in this comic book the first time I read through where I was like, wait, is this a do a new dude or oh no, that's supposed to be statements, you know? And that's that's a little unfortunate. And another way I'll I'll defend the artwork or the or the image of Stamets in this comic is that like, you've got to render him 200 times or whatever. Like he is, he is someone who is on every page of the book yeah. and like you need so From many all these different, different versions. angles and, yeah. and in different light. So yeah, degree of difficulty seems a lot higher here in yep. its defense. Fair. Uh, do we have any priority one messages at this point, Ben? Uh, I don't believe we do, Adam. Well, that's too bad because priority one messages are are the main way that one can support the ongoing production of the greatest discovery. If you like what we're doing here and want to hear more, you can go to maximumfun.org/slash/donate and uh, check the greatest discovery box. Please do that. Uh, you know, like what the fuck are you people doing not supporting the show? Yeah, if you're already a supporter of The Greatest Gen and Friendly Fire, thanks. But uh, if you haven't yet supported Greatest Discovery, we would appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. 
We've uh, we've kept the torch lit all these uh, all these months in between new episodes of the show, and uh, I think uh, we've been having a lot of fun doing it, and uh, and we really appreciate the, the people who who do support. So we believe this show to be worthy of your attention. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. 
Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What are we doing on the next episode of The Greatest Discovery, Adam? Oh, I think we got to finish up this comic, Ben. I think that's obvious. This annual isn't over. Yeah. This annual is going to be thorough. It's a good annual. We're going to be on the exam table for a long time. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so so we'll we'll finish this, and then the one after that will probably be the next short trek, right? Yeah, yeah. Our timing is is just right now. We're in total alignment with I the Star it. Trek Discovery show. Um, well, uh, I'm really looking forward to both things, and uh, come see us on tour. We got a, a handful of dates left this year. I'm really excited about those. And with that, we'll send it on over to Rob. Yeah, take it from here, Rob. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. It's produced and edited by me, Rob Schulte, and our theme music is by Adam Ragusia. Head on over to MaximumFun.org slash donate to support the ongoing production of our show. Or you can leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Please use the hashtag GreatestGen or GreatestDiscovery when tweeting about the show. See you next time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.